Good morning. Last weekend, I wasn't with you. I actually had the opportunity and the privilege to go to the beach with my family. We went to um, Garden City with my in-laws, and we were able to be there on Sunday. And um, my father-in-law woke up and said, hey, we're going to go to a church together. And I said, no, I'm going to stay here. And he was spiritual and went to church, and I stayed home and had church with my family. And we just wanted to have like a little devotion on the vacation. And so I got all the kids together. I have four. And we went out to the stairwell. We were on a 12, 13-story sort of condo, high-rise building. And we went onto the stairwell, and I had all of my kids. I had my mother-in-law, and I had my wife at the bottom of the stairs, probably 10, 12 stairs. And I was up on the platform going up to the top, the, the other floor. And I was standing there, and I was looking at him, and I said, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to come to me. I want you to come to me. However... You cannot use the steps and you cannot use the rails to pull yourself up. Who's first? I got three boys and a daughter who's very competitive. And they were like, me, me, me. So I called them out one by one and they said, oh, I can try. I think it was Luke. He dragged onto the rail. I said, oh, I said, no rails. He said, oh, dad. Very frustrated. One of my sons, I think it was Jake, says, I'm gonna jump. You're gonna jump up 10 stairs. Go for it, big boy. He got down in his little crouch. He started, he, he jumped. I think he got three stairs. He said, oh, really disappointed. And he goes, dad, it's impossible. I said, you're exactly right. It is impossible. You know, it's impossible to come to God on your own. And that's why God came to you in the form of Jesus. You see, Jesus came to you. I walked down the steps I put each of my kids, one at a time, on my back, and I carried them up to the platform. I even carried my mother-in-law, 66-year-old mother-in-law, up the steps, and I carried my wife up to the steps. And I asked them a question. What is our lesson for the day? And in unison, they said, we don't come to God, God came to us. And that is the purpose of this table, church. That is the purpose by which we gather. It is the meaning of life. It is the meaning of your marriage. It's the meaning of everything. That God came to us. And we pause for certain times throughout the year here at Northwest to be able to come to the table and remember that God came to us, that he saves us, that he has a place in heaven that is prepared for us. And it is beautiful and it is perfect and it is yours when you receive it. And this table represents a declaration. It represents a declaration that I have a personal relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is the only way that I've placed my faith in Christ. So as you can see all throughout the, the, the auditorium here, we have two tables up front, we have two tables over here to the side, and we have a table in the back. What it is, it's our privilege, our elders and our deacons this morning, it is our privilege to serve you this morning. Not to pass it out in a very formal way, but we want you to gather around the table and to be served by us. Because we value sharing and we value connecting and we value remembering what Jesus did for us, that he came to us, we don't come to him. And we need these constant reminders because we all have a tendency to forget the most important thing in life. And that is that Jesus died to set us free from our sins. 
in just a, just a couple of minutes, I'm gonna pray, but what we wanna do is we wanna, we're gonna have some folks that are gonna stand around the tables, like I said, our elders and our deacons. We're gonna stand around them. There's gonna be music that's playing lightly. There's gonna be some verses that are on the screen. And as the Lord leads, we want you to come to a table that's open. We don't want you to make a line down the row or anything like that, but just stay in your seat. And as a table comes open, those that are around you, just come up and allow us to serve communion with you and be able to celebrate the great reminder that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he came to us. There might be some of you in here right now that, you know what, you've not crossed that line of faith. You've not said yes to Jesus. This opportunity, this, this ordinance here, this act of coming to the table is for those who have placed their faith in Jesus and maybe you haven't come to that place yet because we're praying that you will. Then don't feel ashamed by not coming to the table. Maybe you have kids that are with you because our kids are in here this morning, which is a great thing. And parents, will you help those that are ser- the ones serving you to help who is participating or not participating in the act of communion or the celebration of communion? I want you to do that. We, we want to be able to use this time to reflect on the goodness and greatness of King Jesus. I want to go and I want to pray. We're going to have the music. The guys are going to get around their tables. They can go ahead and make their way there now. And we want to celebrate and we want to remember. As a table comes open, you feel free to come to that table. Maybe folks around you, maybe some other friends. And we just want to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. So let me pray for us right now. God, I'm so grateful that you came to us. I'm grateful, God, that we don't have to come to you, that we can't jump our way to you, we can't work our way to you, that you saw that we needed something and you made it away. You sent your one and only son, you sent yourself in human form, that is Jesus. And God, if there is anybody in here right now that does not know you, has not said yes to you, I pray that right now they would say, I repent and I believe in Jesus and that they would be saved. I know that they would be saved if they say that because you said you will be saved if you repent and believe in me. I pray for us right now that we would remember why we come around this table and why we celebrate the way that we celebrate. Use this time in our lives to really focus and remember what you did for us and help us never to get over it. I love you and I thank you. Be with us during this time. Speak to us. Let us hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Holy God, it is an awesome privilege to be able to come to this table and once again be reminded of how you came to us. We can't jump our way to you. We can't work our way to you. We can't do, there are not enough good deeds that we can do to get to you. And you knew that and you made a way. And we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for this table that reminds us so much and so clearly that we do this all for your good and glory. Thank you again for our church. May this be an opportunity for us to continually be spurred on to love and good deeds. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. There are people all over the world that are not able to do what we just did. Sing, read the Bible, and come to the table. Uh, Their lives are at stake to do something like that in public. And that is incredibly foreign to those of us that live here in Cary, North Carolina, Apex, Holly Springs, or wherever you are from. 
It, it, it is incredibly foreign for us to live here and to even go to Starbucks and teach the Bible and listen to sermons and listen to music in our car. And there are people all across the world that we don't know their names, but they're living in fear of their lives because of their belief in Jesus. In 2005, I had the opportunity to go to East Asia. And going to East Asia, I was asked by the missionaries that we were working with as we were going over there, to bring some information, bring some Bibles and bring some things like theology books over there to them. Uh, we wrapped them up as Christmas presents and I would have a pair of jeans and I would s- stick the, um, the Bibles wrapped up as Christmas presents in our, the leg of our, our, our jeans and wrap them up and keep them in there and try not to let people see them and pray that God would allow us to get these Bibles and theology books for local underground church pastors in East Asia to get them to them. And um, to our great, great delight, um, all the presents were opened when we got there, and not a one of them were confiscated. We got into the city, and we were able to give them to Pastor Jay. Now, Pastor Jay was a geology professor who gave up his profession at the local university with security of finances to go into the underground church movement of teaching people about King Jesus and leading them to faith in him where his life was at stake. And so um, I went to a room. Uh, it has these mosquito nets in it. I was supposed to meet him at 10 o'clock. I got there. He was there 45 minutes late. He came in. He sat down. He had a big smile on his face. He hobbled in on crutches. The missionary asked him, what happened? He says, oh, three months ago, I realized that there was a group of people that didn't, were not happy with what I was doing. They found out what I was doing, so they kidnapped me. And I, they, stuck me in, they stuck me in this room, this two-story room, and I listened through the wall. I could hear them tell me, tell that they were going to kill me. And so I thought, hmm, my next opportunity is to wait for that to happen or for it to jump out the second-story window. So I did. And I broke my leg so bad when they came around the corner and saw that my leg was broken so bad, they just left me there to die. I crawled along the road and actually somebody picked me up in a taxi brought me to the hospital where I've been for three months, the same smile on his face, and I promise you I'll never forget it as long as I live. That smile was so big. He says, now I can get back with your help, with these Bibles, with these prayers, with these theology books, to train people, to teach them about Jesus. On the way over there to um, East Asia, I was on the plane ride, and I remember vividly a conversation that I had had. Gas was going to $3 a gallon, and I was really upset about that because I had a Tahoe. Here is a man looking at me across, uh, fearing for his life because he believes in Jesus, and here I am, this guy from America going, I cannot believe gas is so expensive, and I have to put it in my Tahoe. And here is a man who quite possibly could be beaten or worse because he believes in Jesus and will not back down. And I think what we want to do this morning as we close out our services, we want to remember them. We want to remember them. There's a statement in the, uh, the Open Doors USA, which is a, a research um, organization, says this, Christians are the most persecuted religious group worldwide. An average of at least 180 Christians around the world are killed each month for their faith. 
Another source in the U.S. Department of State says Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their governments or surrounding neighbors simply because of their belief in Christ. And I can guarantee you, Northwest Community Church, that has never happened to you over here and it never will truly happen like it has happened over there. So what do we do about that? Well, in just a minute, we're gonna go and we're gonna spend some time praying for those that have been persecuted, the persecuted church. But what we wanna do is we want you to hear a testimony of one of our missionaries, Caleb and Nicolette Hutcherson. Caleb Hutcherson is, we've got a video that I want you to see that gives us firsthand account of how he is ministering to people who've been persecuted because of their belief in Jesus. Watch this. I think for us, really, we see on a more uh, personal basis, uh, some of the people in our church uh, have experienced a kind of social pressure, a family pressure. An example of one of the girls in our church, um, she, when she let her dad, told her dad and her dad found out, she uh, had become a believer. He just went into this rage and wanted her dead. Um, and so she fled, she went into hiding for, for a period of time. and. Uh, over time, his rage calmed, their relationship was able to be reconciled, uh, and a lot of that was built on him coming to understand that her being a Christian didn't mean that she was a promiscuous Westerner. In some ways, the response is about as diverse as there are churches and people. Um, there's a number of people who have fled this ISIS phenomenon, who have, who have left that region, who have gone into exile, who are refugees. Um, sometimes that can be hard because it creates a lot of hostility in that person towards the community that they've left. Um, that can be really problematic, um, trying to help them rebuild and reconcile those relationships with their Muslim mom or dad and brothers and sisters. Pray that the church would would find perseverance in the midst of suffering that they might uh, end up going through. To not allow um, the persecutions that Christians experience at the hands of Muslims to be a cause for us to, to hate Muslims. Jesus said, love your enemies, and this is a call to love, um, to act in ways that are gracious and forgiving and reconciling towards this other person. Uh, so that they might come to know Christ through that, through those actions. Caleb gives us a first-hand glimpse of something that maybe we're not even, have never heard of before in our life, of being on the front lines in Beirut, Lebanon, and being able to minister some folks. So what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is I've got some prayer points on the screen. We're going to have some light music that's being played. And I'm going to just call these out and I want you to spend time right where you are just praying for those that are being persecuted because they believe in Jesus. One of the greatest things that we can do for them right now is we can pray for them. 
And so what I'd love for you to do is I'm going to call out a, a statement and I'm going to ask you to just spend some time praying for that. And so what I'd love for us to do right now is I'd love for us to spend some time praying that God would give them, those that are being persecuted, the words and that they would fearlessly make known Christ. Spend some time praying for that. Spend some time praying for the physical protection and deliverance of those being persecuted. Spend some time praying for the suffering they experience that it would drive them yet closer to Christ. praying. Let me read this to you. It says, when we pray for those in prison for their faith, we remember that the gospel came to us and letters written from jail. When we plead for those whose churches are burned in Egypt, we remember that our hope isn't in a building religious empires, but in a new Jerusalem we've never seen. When we weep for those crucified in Syria, we remember that our Lord isn't a guru or a life coach, but a crucified Christ. And as we worship this week in freedom and prosperity, let's remember in prayer our brothers and sisters in the Lord around the world who are suffering for Jesus' name. And 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. God, in Jesus' name, we come to you right now and we pray for those that are experiencing something we perhaps will never experience. We ask you, God, to be real to them. We ask you to comfort them. We ask you to be with them and encourage them. We ask your word to, to, to uphold them. We ask your arms to uphold them. We ask for us as a body to be united in prayer for them on their behalf. We pray for their physical protection. We pray for the words that they will say. We pray for their suffering and experiences would drive them not away from Christ, but closer to Christ. Lord, we pray for Wes and Michelle White in Spain. And we ask you to be with them and be with their kids. We pray for Caleb and Nicolette in Beirut, Lebanon. And be with them and protect them and keep them safe. Be with those two girls and be with that little baby that's on the way. Watch over them. Use them and bless them. Be with Dima and Maria 
and pray that you would just be with them in their language training and help them to really be a light over there. We pray for Ryan and Lindsay Simchenko as they're getting ready to have a baby here stateside and pray that you would use them as they go back to East Asia for the glory of God and for the fame of your name and use them like you have continued to use them. We pray for the McCoys in Ukraine and we ask you to be with them as well. Use that army of, of a family to teach people about you and help us right here, right now, to be reminded by the table of what you did for us and be reminded that we can pray for those that are being persecuted for their faith. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.